Firstly, I want to talk about God's glory, God's presence today, and how that shouldn't just be confined to Sunday afternoon or morning meetings, um, but how it should basically go with us out into the world as well. And I want to base this talk on the Israelites and have a look at some of the stories from Moses' time. So if you can have a look at Exodus 33, just to set that in context before we start reading, basically Moses has just been up the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments from God. And whilst he's been up there, the people have actually rebelled and turned their backs on God and built this golden calf and started worshipping this golden calf. And Moses comes down the mountain and he's horrified, obviously, but God also in his anger threatens to not just remove his presence from the people, but actually destroy the people because he's so angry with what they've done. And so Moses begins to intercede and begins to plead with God on behalf of the people. First of all, that he wouldn't destroy them, but he doesn't leave it there. He is terrified that God would remove his presence from the people of Israel because he realizes that they need it so much. So we take the story up. Exodus 33, verse 13. Moses is talking to God. He says, If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. And then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock, When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. And so God continues to speak to Moses on the mountain and he begins to to chisel out some new commandments, or the same commandments, but on new stones. I just want to read a couple more verses later on in the story. Chapter 34, verse 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. A few months ago, this Bible passage came up three times within a week. And when that starts to happen, you realize that God's speaking to you about something. So the first time it came up, we were actually in tots with the kids and we uh, had basically the paper plates and we were sticking on the bits of glitter and shiny paper to make the radiant face. 
And then later on that week, it came up in my Bible notes, and the same passage again, and began to think about what's God saying to me through this. And then the third time, I was actually, I was sat with Fraser, and we were playing with Lego, I think it was a Saturday morning now, and I put on my, my iPod, and on shuffle mode, and the second song that came up was the Kim Walker song, Show Me Your Glory. And even though we were kind of sat in the room, just playing with Lego, you could just kind of feel God's presence come again. And it just like it was like God was speaking right into me. And my actual reaction was one of sadness. I actually began to cry as I was sat there playing with the Lego with Fraser because I realized I couldn't sing that song honestly. She sings a line in there, I want to see your glory like Moses did. I realized that so often in my life, I don't go with God's spirit. I don't cry out and yearn for his spirit like Moses does. Often as Christians, we kind of lead a dual life where we can come into God's presence fleetingly on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night, and then the rest of the week we kind of almost have a step back where the the things of this world pile on top of us and we, we kind of forget about God. But also I think at that time and even at other times in my life, I can even come on a Sunday afternoon to church and be kind of satisfied without meeting with God, without coming into his presence. And that's what made me sad. I just realized that I didn't have that that deep desire, that hunger that Kim Walker had as she sang that song. And it's easy to make excuses, you know. Obviously, it's, I can say it was hard to, to worship when you've got two young children to look after or whatever else. But nonetheless, God's presence can still come fleetingly. It doesn't need to take a whole load of time and concentration or whatever else. That's clearly demonstrated by the fact that his presence came as we were playing with Lego. I want to contrast that a bit as well with, with just what God's been doing in Catalyst as well. Obviously, there has been times, and for me, one of the most amazing things about Catalyst was the way he came amongst us during the worship times. I love having, normally when I go to these festivals, I'm kind of buzzing about the things I've heard, about the things that have kind of been brought out of God's word and the the kind of talks that I've heard. But to me, the most amazing thing, and I wasn't there for the whole festival and didn't hear everything that was said, but the thing that really struck me was the worship times on, on the Sunday particular, the Sunday morning and then the Sunday evening when at times I almost felt like I had to take a step back from God's presence because it was so kind of overwhelming. So today I want to have a look at three different reasons that the Israelites needed the presence of God with them. Now obviously this is not an exhaustive list. You can find hundreds of different reasons that you need the Spirit of God with you. Often when we look at the, what the Spirit does, we look at the gifts of the Spirit or we look at the fruit of the Spirit and those kind of lists. And I'm obviously not going to go through those in a huge amount of detail. But instead I just want to look at three areas that I felt God was speaking to me about as I read through this story of Moses and the, and the kind of stories round about it. So the first thing that God was speaking to me about, the first reason that we need his spirit with us is for guidance. Now obviously, this was the very reason that Moses was up the mountain in the first place. He was getting very clear guidance from God. God was speaking to him. He was giving him general rules for living, like the Ten Commandments, but also general rules for how to worship and how to sacrifice and a whole host of other things. This is still 
the same for us today. God uses His Spirit to guide us, to speak into us. Sometimes when we're reading through the Bible, He will highlight different passages to us, to correct us, to, to guide us in that way. Other times, it'll just be a prick of our conscience through the Spirit as well. John 16 Verse 13, Jesus is basically talking to his disciples and telling them about the Spirit who is going to come and be with him after he ascends to heaven. And he says, when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. This is one of the the things that the Spirit is. He's a Spirit of truth. But it wasn't just general guidelines for living that he gave to the Israelites. He gave them very specific instructions throughout the time that they were in the desert. He went before them throughout the day as a pillar of cloud and by night as a pillar of fire. He led them right through the desert. He showed them which countries to invade and defeat. He showed them which countries to bypass. He showed them which countries to go through in peace. He also gave direct instructions to Moses, such as striking a rock at a specific time so that water would be provided. And I believe it's the same for us today as well. As we are filled with the Spirit, as we go out in the Spirit, He will give us direct instructions as we listen to Him. Where to go, who to speak to, what to say to them. You know, these things are are quite scary when you begin to think of it. It's it's quite easy in some ways to, uh, to talk about these things within a church context, but to go out into the world and do these things, it is much scarier. But the work of the Spirit obviously goes further than just giving us the guidance. It's the Spirit that gives us the ability to do what He's asking us to do. He's the one that gives us the gifts to have a word of knowledge for someone or to have a a prophetic word for someone. He's the one that also gives us the boldness to do what He's guiding us to do. You think of the disciples in the upper room after Jesus had left, before the Spirit came, they were terrified. They were hiding away because they thought they were all going to die or whatever else be. But after the Spirit comes, they go out in boldness. The transformation of the disciples. And it's the same again for us today. The same Spirit that came on Pentecost is the Spirit that lives within us. The Spirit that comes in God's presence today. Again, in John 15 and 16, Jesus describes the Spirit. The word that he uses for the Spirit is basically saying that he'll be our helper. Someone who comes alongside us. Someone who supports us, enables us. It won't always be easy to follow his guidance. It's not easy to live as a righteous person in a godless nation. It's not easy going into work and and maintaining the Christian, not just the Christian um, morals, but also maintaining the the fruits of the Spirit even. Um, At our work right now, we're going through a time of expansion and growth, which is exciting, but it also brings a lot of stress as well as the company tries to push faster and faster and bigger and bigger. And there's a lot of people feeling a lot of stress with it. And at times, obviously, I feel that myself as well. And there's one example a couple of months ago where I'd been going through a whole series of things trying to work through a load of problems and felt like I wasn't being listened to, basically. And in one meeting, I 
I began to get a bit annoyed with someone. And, and to be honest, it wasn't even the, that fear on him because it wasn't the kind of worst of the, the things that I'd been going through, but it just kind of all piled up and I, I started to get annoyed and kind of hit out a bit in this meeting. And afterwards, someone came up to me and I'd known that person for, for 14 years. I've worked, kind of started there 14 years ago. So this guy, I've been to a lot of meetings with him and known him a long time. And he said to me, are you all right? I've never seen you lose the rag before in a meeting. I realize in situations like that, I can't go in in my own strength. I've got to go with God's spirit within me. If I'm going to maintain self-control, if I'm going to maintain patience, kindness, love, gentleness, I have to be going with God's spirit and not going in my own strength into these difficult situations, those stressful times. Equally, it's not easy to speak out, to witness to people, to talk about Jesus. Often we think, what are they going to think of me if I start to talk about Jesus? It's not easy to step out in faith, in gifts of the Spirit, to to have the boldness to, to start to prophesy or to start to have words of knowledge for people. But again, the same Spirit that was in the disciples is in us. He's the one who enables us who gives us that ability, who gives us that boldness in order to speak out. It wasn't always easy for the Israelites. God was calling them to go and conquer a land that was filled with giants, a land where there were big cities with massive walls defending them. And Moses realized that it wasn't possible to do what God was asking them to do without God's presence. Unless he was going with them, he said to God, I'm not going, I'm not leaving here unless you're going to come with me because I can't do this. I can't do it by myself. That kind of leads me on to the next point. The next point I want to talk, so that was all about God's guidance and the fact that the Spirit guides us. But the next point really I want to talk about is that the Spirit also leads us to be his witness. So if we read again what Moses said in chapter 33, verse 15, Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Moses was pleading with God to remain with them so that they would be distinguished from the others on the face of the earth, so that nations would know that he was God. Other translations, so in verse 16 it says, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me? In the NIV translation. Other translations use the word favor, or they use the word, how will people know that that your grace is on us? That's what he's talking about here, basically. It's not something that Moses has deserved. It's not something he's earned. Indeed, the people, as I said, have just gone and built this golden calf and started worshiping that instead. They don't deserve God's presence to be with them, God's favor, God's grace to be on them. But yet God is. God does show them this favor, this grace. And one of the main reasons that that Moses is kind of pleading here is so that others would know that he is God. There's a verse in, in Exodus 34 that I didn't read out, Exodus 34 verse 10. It says, God says to Moses, 
I'm making a covenant with you. Before all your people, I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. And that's exactly what happened. Do you remember the story that as the Israelites do come into the promised land eventually, they come to Jericho and they send these two spies to try and work out how they're going to get into Jericho. And the spies end up being sheltered by Rahab. And Rahab says to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. The people in the surrounding nations had heard of the wonders that God had done, of the power of God, and they became fearful because they knew that he was God, not just of heaven, but God of earth as well. When God's Spirit comes upon us with signs, and wonders, it's exactly the same thing. One of the big reasons that God comes upon us in these signs and wonders is to glorify his name, to bring glory to him. That was the same then and it's the same now today as well. It declares once again that he is the God of heaven and earth. In an unbelieving generation, words alone probably aren't going to do it, aren't going to convince people. But when they see the power of God, when they see him breaking out, touching life, speaking into people's lives in the ways that we've heard this morning, this afternoon. <laughs> they sit up and listen. They realize that God is God of the heavens and the earth. Again, this is exactly what happened in Acts. So as God's Spirit came upon the disciples, we see them no longer living in fear, but out on the streets, we see them speaking in languages they hadn't learnt before. We see them healing people. We see them having words of knowledge. So once again, it's exactly what we should expect today. God's presence and God's Spirit, when it comes and falls upon us, it's not just for us. It's not just for a Sunday afternoon. It's to impact a nation as well. I love the stories that Simon Holly tells from King's Arms, what God is doing on the streets of Bradford, the lives that he's touched there. Wouldn't we love to see that here in Solly Hill as well? And I know we've seen little bits and pieces, but what I want to encourage you this, this afternoon, again and again, is that there's so much more, that God is so much bigger than what we've seen so far. So when God's Spirit comes upon us, he comes in order to witness, to show that he is the God of the heavens and the God of this earth. And another way that that breaks out, and then the last thing I kind of want to talk about is, is prophecy. Again, we've heard a lot of people talking about how God has used them when they're in that encounter zone. God has used them prophetically to speak into people's lives. There's a story in Numbers 11, which I just want to quickly read. So Numbers 11, 24. Moses has got to the stage where he realizes he can't do it all by himself, and he's appointed 70 other elders to help, help him, basically. And it says, So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. 
he brought together 70 of their elders and made them stand around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him. And he took of the spirit that was on him and put the spirit on the 70 elders. When the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. But they did not do it again. However, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad had remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders but did not go out to the tent. Yet the spirit also rested on them and they prophesied in the camp. Now a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' assistant since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my lord, stop them. But Moses replied, Are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. So you see, when the spirit comes upon us, all prophesy. And this is a biblical, prophet, a biblical principle which we don't just read about here. We also see it time and time again. There's another story in, in 1 Samuel 19 when Saul and his men are actually chasing David. They're trying to kill him. And they come into the presence of God. And it says that Saul and all his men, his, his army basically, start to prophesy. And they prophesy all day and all night, it says. And so people start to to ask, is Saul one of the prophets also? Because he's prophesying. Joel 2.28 is a very famous verse prophesying that the Spirit is going to come not just on the select few, but after Jesus it's going to be poured out on everyone. And it says, And afterward I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. I sometimes again get tempted to think that prophecy is, is for the select few. I hear stories like the, the stories this morning. I think, well, that's great for them, but I'm not really called to prophesy. But that's not what the Bible's teaching here. It's teaching that as the Spirit comes upon us, that all should expect to prophesy. We don't just leave it to, to Rob or to a few people in the encounter zone. It's something that will happen, that God will use all of us for. Sometimes we can almost get a bit mystical or whatever about prophecy. I like a description that Graham Cook gives it. He says, Prophecy is simply encouraging, exhorting, and comforting people by tuning them into what God has for them. It simplifies it. And when you kind of hear some of the stories this morning, that's exactly what God was doing. The story that John said about the the lady who was thinking about giving up worshipping or or leading worship, and he was able to encourage her to build her up by tuning her back into what God had for her. All of us can do that. All of us can encourage. All of us can hear from God and build up others with a word of encouragement from him. As we step out in prophecy, as we step out and take these small steps of faith, it's one of those gifts that God Honors and he begins to um, basically increase the gifting. We hear him more clearly. The words begin to get more specific. That's what Hannah was telling me, and I think a few other people were saying as well, as they took the step of going into the encounter zone and kind of that step of faith where suddenly they're now exposed that God does nothing. God comes up trumps. He gives them the prophecies. And it builds them up as well. It encourages them as they begin to see that God can and does love to use them. Life groups are a great place 
to begin to practice speaking prophetically over people. Church on a Sunday afternoon is another great place to to grow that even further. But the ultimate, again, is that we begin to get to the place where God speaks to us as we're out and about. It's not contained within the building. I think the one example I've kind of got of, of God doing a little bit of this with us. Um, there was one time when we were we had a Friday night meeting and it was a, an encounter meeting and we were basically coming into to God's presence. And someone said, who wants to go out now in God's presence? And uh, John Marshall, myself and Hannah kind of ran out the door and we got out the door and we said, right, what do we do now? <laughs> So about 100 yards down the road was a pub and we thought, Friday night, where's everyone going to be? They'll be in there. So we went into the pub and we bought a pint and right, what now? <laughs> so we, we sat down beside this guy and I think I think he had a dog with him so he, that's kind of the, the opener for his conversation with, I think it was Hannah originally. But this guy, we didn't start talking to him about God. We didn't start, we didn't mention we were Christians and we'd just come out of a meeting and we were looking for someone to convert. <laughs> We didn't say to him, are you sure that if you go out this pub tonight and die, you're going to go and be with Jesus? It wasn't anything like that. We didn't mention God at all. But he just started to open up. And it was amazing. He'd been a soldier and he'd basically ended up killing someone and he'd never managed to forgive himself. And he felt like God must hate him, that God couldn't possibly forgive him for killing someone. And all through this, we never mentioned God once. We never talked about God, but he brought it all up. It was him that instigated the conversation. He ended up in tears. This really kind of hardened guy, ex-soldier, I'm sure that's not his usual Friday night in that pub. I'm sure that wasn't what he'd planned doing. And we didn't actually end up saying an awful lot to him. We just basically reassured him of God's love for him, of God's grace, of God's mercy, that God still had a plan and purpose for him. And that, that was about it. There was no kind of conversion prayer at the end or anything else. But it just highlighted again to me that, that as we go out in God's presence, he will begin to set up these prophetic encounters with people. Jenny encouraged us with that when she was here. She talked about that, about the fact that God is using her and speaking to her about where to go, even what table to sit, in, sit at when she goes into a coffee shop about who he wants her to speak to. God dropping just the right words into our mouths in everyday situations that he's ordained, whether that's at work, whether that's in coffee shops, whether that's in pubs on a Friday night. When the Spirit of God breaks out, these are the things we should expect to see. As I say, catalyst really kind of revived my hunger for God's presence, and that's the, the biggest kind of thing that he did for me. He gave me again a, a realization that there's so much more available than what we've seen so far. When we look at this story of Moses, Moses talks to God, he beseeches him, show me your glory. You know, Moses has just spent a huge amount of time in God's presence. It said that he talked to God face to face. He spoke with God in a manner that few, if any, have ever experienced before or after. 
And yet, he wasn't satisfied with that. He wanted more of God. He said, show me your glory. He wanted to see the full glory of God. And God actually has to rein him in a bit and say, look, if you see all my glory, you're going to die. We need to reach a compromise here. He realized there was more and he wanted to experience it. When he came down from that mountain, his face shone with the glory of God. And that wasn't a metaphorical statement. You know, sometimes we talk about people shining because they're, they're happy or beaming or whatever because they're, they're, we kind of talk about them being radiant in that sense. But here from the story, we see it's much more. It's a literal shining. The people were terrified. They ran away. Moses had come into God's presence so much that his face was radiating. It was reflecting the glory of God. Can you imagine going out on a Sunday afternoon, blinding people? People are getting their sunglasses out because our faces are shining so much. I've been in meetings where the presence of God has been so strong that there's not been a person left standing in the building. We've all been kind of prostrate on the floor. We've just fallen over or felt that we can't stand any longer. I've been in other meetings where everyone's kind of shaking or or weeping or crying out. But I've never seen anything like this. I've never heard of a story like this. There must be a lot more than what we've seen so far. Moses saw many amazing wonders of God through his life. He met with God in the burning bush. He went through the whole thing with the plagues, where God did these unbelievable things and led the people out of Israel as a result, out of Egypt as a result. The Red Sea was parted as he came through. He saw supernatural provision of quails, of manna, of water when they needed water. These were day-to-day things that they were experiencing. They needed God's presence among them in order just to live. But as Moses was faithful to God, as he basically followed God's guidance and did the things God was calling him to do, it changed the nation. But it didn't just change the nation. It also declared God's glory to all the surrounding nations as well. The Spirit is the lifeblood of our faith. Without it, we are just the same as anyone else on this planet. We cannot do anything by ourselves. But with God's Spirit, we are more than conquerors. God's Spirit is is the Spirit that guides us, the Spirit that sets us apart as witnesses for Him. It's the Spirit that enables us to encourage, to exhort, and to comfort others. And there's so much more than what we've seen before.